are starting into a new series this morning called Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And it's kind of, we've got the creepy pictures going on behind me here. Do we, do we have any thirdborns in the room this morning? Anybody? You're the thirdborn in the family. You people like that? You're the third kind? Yeah, okay. If you, people, people who had their hand just raised there, if you had to rate the number of pictures of you compared to the numbers of your older siblings, more or less? Less? You were unloved? Is that what you're saying? You were, and were you, were you, Carly, were you ever taken to Disneyland? No, you never got to go to Disneyland. Third, was there any third born that even got to go to Disneyland? Oh, that's sad. <laughs> you never got to go to, any firstborns ever get to go to Disneyland? Anyone? Yeah, that's right. The first, the firstborns go to Disneyland, the thirdborns, not so much. We were preparing for our service this week, and Pastor Daniel, our youth pastor, um, mentioned that he's the third born and as he was getting older kids would be talking about things. oh yeah you remember like that nursery rhyme like mary had a little lamb he's like no <laughs> and then he's and like what about baba black sheep mm, no <laughs> his parents didn't even take the time to teach him nursery rhymes they, they didn't they didn't even learn that he they didn't even realize that he was there they just hoped that his older siblings took care of him the third things in our lives they never usually receive their fair their fair share of attention it's not that they're less important it's not that they're they're not loved it's just that they're not cared for the same way we, we see this in sports if you see a team that they win the championship they want to repeat they give everything for the repeat and then they started this phrase called the three-peat but nobody really cares about the third one as much children are left to learn the the um the third championship doesn't mean as much have you ever been a third wheel out on a date yeah, you ever been a third wheel with somebody? Sometimes we've been out there, right? And we're like, we're not less of a person, just in that situation, we don't feel quite as important. And we're, as we move into this brand new series called Close Encounters, we're going to spend four weeks looking at who is the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not saying the Holy Spirit is the third wheel, and we're not saying the Holy Spirit is the third born. But what we want to look at is what is the role of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit, and how can we create a greater sense and a greater degree of presence? Not how, how do we create, how do we experience a greater degree of his presence in our lives? Now the highlight, get your calendars out. You want to put this in your phone, put this in your calendar. Sunday, November the 22nd, in that evening, we're going to spend just a night of not so much teaching, but prayer and worship and focus on experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit, or a greater degree of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church. That's going to be in Mississauga. Get that on your calendar, November the 22nd. And don't leave the kids at home. Bring the kids. This is not for the parents. This is for everybody and anybody who would say, yes, I believe in Jesus. So mark it off. We don't often take times like this to have an experiential night, so you're going to want to be there. But if you didn't know this, Portico is a Pentecostal church. We don't fly the flag that highly all the time, but we are. We are aligned with other Pentecostal churches, the PAOC, and we believe that the Holy Spirit is active in our lives. We believe that he leads us to make decisions both in church, both out of church. We believe that the Holy Spirit has the ability to give us power to pray and see miracles happen, see healings happen, see people's lives change. And we recognize that he, the Holy Spirit, is a person of the Trinity, and it's not something that everybody has a great degree of comfort with. See, we relate to the Father, right? We've all had Father experiences, good or bad. We know what a Father is. We've had one. We've seen one. We've been around Father. So we understand when we say, 
God our Father, we go, I have, I have a schema for that, I understand. When we say the Son, we know who sons are, but when we say ghosts, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, that seems hard, that seems, I don't really understand that. It might even make faith seem cheesy, so we don't focus as much of attention on that. And even if we do believe that the Holy Ghost is a thing, we don't believe that ghosts are loving or, or, or comforting, or, and it kind of gives us this, this odd feeling, which is why we've got the ambiance going on in the background. And we, we, we think, at the very best, the Holy Ghost is kind of like a friendly ghost. Anybody grow up watching Casper? Is that, yeah, you might get The Holy Ghost is kind of like Casper, just kind of moves along, and he's doing kind things, and he's smiling. That's, that's, the, that's what a lot of people have an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. But actually, over the course of this month, what we want to look at and see that the Holy Spirit is one and the same as God the Father and God the Son is God the Spirit. And he is the greatest gift ever given to humanity in terms of personal peace. Just having a sense of peace, that's the Holy Spirit. In terms of having power to go out and do what God's gifted us to do, that's the Holy Spirit. In terms of learning who God is and how to rely on him, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's active in salvation. There's this second separate experience being filled with the Spirit. And so for a month, we're going to challenge all of us as a church that we want to set aside a few things because we all come in here with different levels of understanding. We're going to go on a journey together. We're going to go on an experiential journey together of growth and understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. So can I challenge you? First off, set aside your preconceived ideas about what you assume the Holy Spirit is. Just set that down and go, I want to learn. I want to open up the scriptures. We're going to be really scripture heavy, bouncing around. You're going to want to have your Bible. You're going to want to have a pen because we are really going to be doing some study. You won't want to miss your CLG. And if you don't have a CLG, come on out Wednesday night, like Karina mentioned. We're going to be in Mississauga, but you can come for dinner or you can come at seven o'clock and we'll meet. And um, Amanda and I will still be facilitating a group in in Mississauga, and there's programs for your kids, so you don't want to miss this because we're going to study, we're going to discuss it together. So it's Wednesday nights at 7. But can you set aside your preconceived ideas about who the Holy Spirit is? Can you set aside maybe any fears you have or maybe prejudices that have come up because you've had a very different Christian experience? We know that although we're Pentecostal church, not everybody in our church is Pentecostal by, by their theology by their experience. We've got a whole group of people meeting together just saying, I want to know who God is. I'm not necessarily signed up for your brand of Christianity. I'm just following Jesus. So what we're saying, can we set aside maybe our backgrounds and just say, let's study who the Holy Spirit is, blank, sp- blank slate. Some of you may need to set aside some, some, some things that you've experience and it's been negative and i've asked andrew and andrew's like are you sure you want me to share a little bit about some negative stuff but andrew's just gonna come on up and do we still have the oh andrew's got the mic i said andrew just share he's andrew's one of our one of our church leaders one of our worship leaders one one of the ones that helped plant this church and 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 andrew was andrew's had some negative experience with the holy spirit so i said why not just share throw it out all on the table to bring us all in the room together so go ahead andrew yeah so i think rick is crazy for bringing <laughs> me up here so i can share this because uh because, yeah, I mean, I have my own theolo- theological beliefs about things that, that may differ slightly from the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Um, but, uh, but just wanted to share a little bit on, on what my experiences were that were negative in relation to the Holy Spirit. And, and, uh, and I, remember, I remember two uh, experiences in particular. Uh, and, uh, and, and one when I was just 
a brand new Christian uh, at church, and and the other one was uh, was when I was in university, um, a little bit maturer as a Christian, but still very uh, new and learning and, and just eager to to find out more. And and both those experiences had to do, and this is why I think you're crazy. Um, both those experiences had to do with the gift of tongues, um, where where the preacher from up top basically said, "All right, everybody, just." start speaking in tongues, and, and then everyone just went crazy around me, and I was like, well, what's going on here? And then I'm like thinking, well, well, you know, maybe this is a thing. I should learn it. So here I am um, looking and like trying to find out what's happening, what, what these people are saying. I know I'm funny. Um, and uh, and, and what, what happened was, uh, was uh, uh, the, the preacher at the time, in both occasions, were like, well, all you have to do is ask God for the gift, and you will get it. So then I said, okay. So I prayed, and I asked God, and I waited, and then nothing happened. And then I prayed again, and I asked God, and I waited, and then nothing happened. And, um, and I was thoroughly disappointed. And, and actually, in, in, in the other experience, in the university one, it was a little bit more intimate, where, where I was pretty much um, singled out and, and said, well, no, no, you got to just start speaking. And I'm like thinking, well, maybe I should just start saying some gibberish, and, and it'll get passed off as tongues. And but the reality was that I, I didn't want to compromise um, my faith because I didn't want to compromise everything that I believe and everything that I came through just so that I can give it up for someone that wants me to do something that's, that, I didn't, that wasn't happening for me. And, uh, and as a result of that, it, it was a very negative impact. Um, it, it shook my, my walk, my spiritual walk. I was thinking, well, does God not love me that he's not giving me this gift? Or what is it? I, I don't get it. So, uh, so it was definitely a thing that I didn't learn uh, enough uh, about, and uh, and then I've um, yeah, that's uh, that's yes, my sir. story. Can we thank Andrew for sharing this morning? And the the reason why I asked Andrew to share is because we're we're a church. The church is not a building. It's not a, a theological standpoint. The church is people that come together, and we're learning who God is. And this month, we're going to learn who the Holy Spirit is. And so what we're asking is, from, from Andrew to if you're a PAOC credential holder, if you are not a believer at all, you say, I'm not even convinced that God, this God stuff is real. I'm going to say, can we set aside everything and just say, I want to learn who the Holy Spirit is. And ultimately, what we believe is that God, only God can define himself. I can't define God, because if, 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 if I define God, it's going to fall very short. So we're going to go into the scriptures, the Bible, and find very clear definitions and description of who is the Holy Spirit, and let God define himself. So grab a pen, and if you can open up your, your bulletins, your notes are in there. Uh, if, you, if you want to try and type it all in on your iPads, go for it. And uh, we're, you can search Milton, or you can search... Um, uh, Milton or what's the other? Portico. That's, that's who we are. You can search Milton or Portico and you can find us on the U version. So if you need a copy of the Bible to borrow this morning, quick, just slip up your hand and one of our ushers will make sure you get a copy to borrow this morning because we're going to be flipping all over the place. But the first, the, the key passage and text we're going to go to is John chapter 16. And John is in the New Testament, fourth book of the New Testament, uh, chapter 16, verses 7 through 15 is what we're going to read together. And this is Jesus telling his closest friends, the disciples, the ones whom already had some experience and understanding of the Holy Spirit, but had never had this filled experience. And he's starting to explain to them 
who the Holy Spirit is. So let's look verses 7 through 15 and see how Jesus defines the Holy Spirit. This is what he says. But very truly, I tell you, it's good. It is for your good. So Jesus is saying, it's good that I go away. Unless I go away, the advocate, that's another name for the Spirit, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, here's what he does. He will prove the world to be in wrong and sin and righteousness and judgment. He's going to prove to the world the rights and wrongs about sin because people do not believe in me about righteousness. Because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Here's one key thing. He's saying, I can't really explain it because you're going to have to experience it. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, Jesus, and it is from me that he will receive what he makes known to you. So he's speaking on behalf of the son and the father. And all that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Long, confusing paragraph in there basically saying, I'm going to send the Spirit who is me, who will testify about me, who will talk about right and wrong, and will draw you to me. And in this text, Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit to his closest friends who still couldn't figure it out. He even said, this is going to be more than you can bear, but you've got to understand a little bit more about God's spiritual nature. And over the next few years of their lives, the disciples were going to revolutionize the world. The church was going to be changed and everything they thought they knew about who God was, was absolutely going to be changed because they encountered the spiritual nature of God and how they uh, related to the spiritual nature of God. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to work through a little bit of theology first, and then we're going to make it, how does this apply to me? So, so stay with me. We're going to build a little bit of Bible knowledge so we're all on the same page. But the first thing is this, that the Holy Spirit is a distinct person. That's your fill in the blank, distinct person. We hear the word ghost, and we hear the word spirit, and we begin to think and ascribe what our ideas of what the spiritual word is. See, in our, in our minds, the spiritual world is not people. It's more of a force. The person has been separated, and now it's this force that the person's spirit leaves them, and then their spirit can come back and haunt or, or, or encounter or, or meet us, or there's this presence. Sometimes we believe that a person's presence comes back. And in fact, one of the ways that a lot of people understand God's spirit is, well, he's our conscience, right? He's the thing that makes us understand what right and wrong is. He helps us know how to do the things that God would want us to do. Remember, Star Wars is coming out, right? You guys know Star Wars is coming out, right? And remember when Luke was learning, he, he, lost, he, lost, uh, his, he lost his mentor and he's like, I need to learn how to rely onto the force. And then there's this spiritual feeling. I don't, we're going to show the clip. Go ahead and just, because if you're not a Star Wars aficionado, then you need to be brought in to speed up, up to speed on this. Oh, they cut it there. <laughs> we wanted to see the big thing blow up, but, but Luke goes on and he, and he blows up the Death Star and Obi-Wan Kenobi was telling him how to, how to learn to, 
to rely on this force, this nature. And we sometimes think, well, maybe that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's like this voice in our heads. It's this thing that, that God's speaking to us, even though God's not there. And that's how we begin to understand the Spirit. If I were to say to you, there was a great sense of the Spirit in the service, what does that mean to you? If I said, we had a church service this morning and the Spirit was there, what does that mean to you? We sang, we sang slow songs, right? <laughs> we, we, that the, the band was really going. Maybe, maybe we had a chill in the room and like, oh, the temperature was down. We really felt the spirit. Or, and I'm not making a light, light of our emotional responses that we have, but oftentimes we relegate the Holy Spirit to just the feeling, just the sense, just I can feel the presence. It's the force. Twelve times in that text where Jesus first introduces who the Holy Spirit, the advocate, is going to be, he uses the word he in reference to the Holy Spirit. Every mention in scripture describes the Holy Spirit as he when they're addressing him. John 16 and 8, when he comes, he will prove. John 16 and 13, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling, it's not an emotion, he's a person. And it's important to know that we're dealing with a person, not just a being. When you call an office, you've got a complaint. Let's pretend your phone isn't working and you call Rogers. What's the, who's the first thing that answers the phone? That voice, right? And that, that voice is not human. It's Siri. It's whatever. And what's the f- thing that you try and do immediately when you hear that voice? You, Zero. You're not not waiting. They've got a whole list of options for you. And you're like, no, zero. I'm getting to a person because we don't want to deal with presence. We don't want to deal with a system. We want to deal with a person. And we know that the Holy Spirit is a person. And we'll, let's, let's go and look. What would the elements of personality be? It's kind of like, I'm a real boy test, the Pinocchio test. Well, well, we know that a real person has to have intellect. And these, these verses, we're going to go through pretty quickly. They're all in your notes, so you can read them later and study them this week. But we know that the Holy Spirit has intellect in Romans 8 and 27. We know that he has a mind. We know that the Holy Spirit thinks independently, but also in unison with the Father and the Son. He said he's only going to speak what Jesus told him. And the scripture specifically talks about how when we're praying, his mind, the Holy Spirit's mind, listens and intercedes, and he steps out and helps pray on our behalf. Even when we don't know what to pray, he says the Spirit knows what to pray. So the Holy Spirit has intellect, just like God does. He has independent thought. The Holy Spirit has will. That's your second fill in the blank. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 11, it says that the Holy Spirit can determine who gets a spiritual gift. So we, we, we believe that each of us can be gifted through the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who determines what gifts we have and chooses who he rests on different people and, and what gifts he gives to different people. Because we believe that, yes, God empowers us all to serve his kingdom, but we all know we have very very different gifts. We're trying to get Andrew to get up here and singing, but he doesn't believe that the Spirit has gifted him to sing. And we, 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 gotta, we don't want different people doing different things because we know that different people have different gifts. And let's just hope that I never have to fill in back at the soundboard because it could get really awkward. <laughs> but, but, but we're really happy that, that, that the Holy Spirit does give us gifts. So he's got intellect. He's got will. The Holy Spirit has, has feelings. Ephesians 4 and 30, we can say we can grieve and upset the Holy Spirit. 
And we see all through the Bible where God gets mad. We read those stories in the Old Testament where God was striking down whole like nations and he's striking down people. And we know that God has feelings. We know that Jesus has feelings. He loved people. He was, he was upset. The Holy Spirit has those same feelings. The Holy Spirit has that sense, that, that side of his personality. We know that the Holy Spirit has action. Galatians 5, 18, he leads us. There's unlimited verses that we could list about the Holy Spirit leading us and taking control and moving on people, using us, speaking to us. It's not just God's presence, but he is in control of how he acts. He's got intellect, he's got will, he's got feeling, he's got action. He's so much more than our conscience. And people, people with no relationship at all, they can feel right and wrong. I mean, no relationship with God at all, they feel right and wrong. They have, they have conscience. That's, that's not God. And it's more than a feeling that we get when we're in service. A few years ago, when I was, uh, when I was youth pastor over in the Mississauga campus, there was this new couple that came into our young adults ministry. And some of you may know this couple. And we, did, we called them the makeout couple. <laughs> some of them, yeah, the ones back there, they know. Because they were brand new to church, had no understanding of, who, uh, of, of, of a relationship with God. They were just coming to church. And when we got to the slow music and the lights were down low, it was like they were feeling it at that point. And they, they would just start making out in the back row, the back row of the church. And we were like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And, they, but, and it was, we just thought, okay, this is one week. Maybe it won't happen the next week. But it happened more the next week. They were ready for it. I think they brought gum and mouthwash. and They, they were ready because they were, it was... It was we get into these times, and if we have good musicians and we have the right lighting and the right feel, we can, we can I'm not saying we're trying to create a makeout service, <laughs> but we know that people are moved in the service. So that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not when I have a good feeling. The Holy Spirit is a person that we engage with that can make us feel and that can give us a degree of our conscience, but that's not all he is. He's a distinct person of the trinity the same as god the same as jesus who he wants to be loved he wants to be worshiped he wants to come alongside us in the same way that's the first one he's distinct he's also divine the holy spirit is a divine person the trinity is one of those words we use in church and we do our best to understand it but we will never have full understanding on what that really means while we're on earth because he's god and it's a godly principle and we're humans (laughs) And we're trying to understand it from human minds. But we believe that the, God is three distinct people all wrapped up into one distinct person or being or however we're going to describe that. That the Holy Spirit is God and we pray to him and we worship him. And we call people to follow, not just follow Jesus, not just follow God. We're calling people, follow the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? One of the, one of the most well-known verses in church is the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, and the verse is really s- simple. We know this, right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We say this, right? Baptizing him in what? The name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What's baptism? Baptiz- baptism is a sign of our death and rebirth aligned with Jesus and God and the Spirit. We're called to follow the Spirit. That's the call. It's, there's another beautiful uh, passage in Matthew where we see all three persons of the Trinity present, yet distinct. And it's when Jesus was baptized, in fact. It's Matthew 3, uh, 16 and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. 
And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. So we've got Jesus and then God beginning to speak in the Spirit there. A voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And all three members of the Trinity are there. And all three members of the Trinity have divine attributes that are resident in who they are and are key to how they function. Any, are there any CSI fans in the room? You're a CSI? Yeah. We, any CSI Las Vegas? Uh, no, what's the new one? New Orleans? No, you shouldn't be into New Orleans, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're just, you know, we're, when, they're doing, when they're doing CSI and they want to identify who's the person, what are they looking for? Which person did it? What, what kind of evidence are they looking for? DNA evidence. They want those 23 chromosomes, right? They, they, make them, they make us uniquely us. They're the things that we know every person on earth has unique DNA that is made up of those chromosome pairs and we can identify by them. Well, scripture teaches us what makes God uniquely God, that he is distinct attributes that we say, if we're going to identify this is God, all of these attributes have to be there. And we see them in God the Father, we see them in Jesus the Son. Now let's look at the Holy Spirit. Are they there? And there are four. This is like an intro Bible college course. And this is what we look at. We looked at the attributes of God is that number one, he's all powerful. And we see in Romans eight eleven, we believe that there's nothing God cannot do and there's nothing that the Holy Spirit cannot do. That even when somebody dies, they can be brought back to life. They multiply food, they multiply money, they multiply anything. And even within our own church, you can go, we could connect you with people that they will tell you how the Holy Spirit healed them before they were going into surgery. We have our worship pastor, he'll tell you an amazing story about uh, Dwayne, not, not Heather, our worship pastor in Mississauga, will tell you how his wife had her brain tumor miraculously healed. Uh, our senior pastor, Pastor Doug, his wife, and how God was healing him from cancer. Sometimes there's doctors that are using these healing processes as well. We believe the Holy Spirit can do anything all-powerful. And it's the Holy Spirit who works our healing when we see in Romans 8 and 11. And if the Spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. He's all-powerful. He's not only that, he's all-knowing. John uh, 14 and 26 we believe that the Holy Spirit can speak to us and remind us of things that God says. We believe that God can speak to people certain things, specific needs, and he knows our needs before we even mention them. I remember when I was just a real young, young believer, I came to Christ when I was in my teens. And I, had, I was about 15 years old, and I, so I probably had followed Jesus for two years and I, I bought my first car, and my first car was a beauty. It was a 1993 Geo Metro. Anybody know the Geo, the Geo line? It had three cylinders in that engine, let me tell you, not four, three. So it, I could drive it on the sidewalk. It was narrow enough that I could get it down the sidewalk. If we were going uphill and there were people in the back seat of that car, we needed to drop it down a gear. But it had that kind of power to get uphill with people in the back seat. That's, that's the machine that I had <laughs> as my first car. And I, I, I was so proud of that thing, too. And I, I think I bought it for $1,800. <laughs> I got that car. And I, I, it was just like my pride and joy. And I was working at the grocery store. I was a bag boy and carry out groceries. Back when they used to carry out groceries, when we had manners. And, we <laughs> 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 and, 
And I, I, I was so, so proud of this thing. So anyway, I was at this youth, I was at this youth convention and they like they love to manipulate teenagers at these youth conventions, and they got up there, and they I'm just kidding. They were, there, there was a guy. There was a guy who got up, and he was doing the offering appeal. And he got up, and the offering appeal lasted not like two two seconds, like you hear here. We're gonna have an offering. No, it was probably like two hours. And he was he was showing pictures of kids in Quebec that didn't have coats, and then he said, "How many coats do you have?" And you know how cold it's gonna be. It's colder in Quebec, and you probably have money. You're gonna spend at McDonald's. That you don't need to go to McDonald's. You got to give to these kids in Quebec, the northern Quebec, that don't have coats. And what kind of Christ follower are you if you're more worried about a Big Mac than than kids who are freezing to death in Quebec? And we're all like. You're right. I need to just empty everything. But I remember in my, in my bank account, I had $120. And as a teenager with his own car, even though it was a Geo Metro, insurance every month was $180. I'd only owned this car for like three months. And I remember God saying, you need to give that $120 to me. I'm like, but God, my ride. <laughs> you know that sweet ride I have there? Amanda's going to leave me if I, if, I don't, if I don't have this Geo. And, and he said, you need to give it. And so I, I went to the bank over lunch and I took out the money and, and I came back. This is the morning session. I came back to the lunch, afternoon session and, 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 and I gave that $120 in the offering and then I went to the front to pray. And I said, you know what, God? I don't need the car. These kids know it, need it more than I do. I didn't tell anybody what I had done because it was one of those moments where, you know, God, God's kind of working in your heart and you don't want to make a big fanfare about it. There's some teaching in scripture about, well, let's not make a fanfare about how much we give. And I prayed at the front and I just felt this sense of God's going to take care of me. This is the right thing to do. And I walked back to my seat and in my, my little folder that you get at a conference, there was an envelope that was labeled Rick. And there were nine $20 bills in that, in that folder. I hadn't told a soul the exact amount of money that I needed for my car insurance. I just thought, unbelievable, God. Like, God. It was one of those those early moments in my faith where I said, God, you do know. I didn't tell a soul. And this person, I don't know who it was, never figured out who it was, never really asked around who it was, just thought, this is one of those faith-building moments where I know that God knows before I say anything. And we believe it's the Holy Spirit that speaks to us, that he's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's ever-present. He's always there. In Psalm 139, 7 to 10, the first word's there, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Your spirit's everywhere. The last one is that he's eternal. These are the four attributes of God. He's, he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's, um, he's ever-present, and he's eternal. There's no beginning and there's no end. We know that the spirit was there during creation. We know that he's still with us today. That's God's DNA. And then we have this whole list of activities that the Holy Spirit is involved in. And we wanted you to have these here in your notes, these scriptures in your notes, so you can discuss them in CLG this week. But really quickly, we're just going to go over some of the activities that the Holy Spirit is involved in. I won't take your time to expand on them all. But the activities of divinity, the first one, he's involved in creation. We see that in Genesis 1 and 2. So that God speaks the world into creation, and it's the Holy Spirit that was there. He was the active part of God in creation. God spoke, the Spirit made it happen. He's not only involved in creating, he's involved in inspiring. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach. We believe the Spirit speaks to us, and in this case, 
he spoke to the writers of the Bible and told them what to write. And every Sunday when, when, our, when our teaching team gets together, we believe that, that you know, we're going to pray in Holy Spirit, help us to know how to teach. Would you inspire us to have words so that we could teach the church on Sunday? And we believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to individuals and when we're just encouraging one another, when we're praying for one another. I don't, I don't believe that it's often an audible voice. If we look at our faith heroes of the Bible, we say, you know, the, the ones who really encountered God in miraculous, powerful ways, how often did God have an audible voice that spoke to them? With Moses, was it, was it a couple of times that God audibly spoke to him? There was the burning bush experience. And then we don't know how many other times it was audible, probably up on the mountain when he was getting the Ten Commandments. What about Abraham, the one who God, the father of our faith, how many times did God speak to him with an audible voice? So our faith heroes maybe had this two or three times happening. For me, I know there's one time in my life where I'm like, I, I heard a voice from God. And it was when I was in a time where I was, I was kind of broken. I'd gone through some real devastating experiences in my life. I was, I was desperate for God. I was confused. And all I remember him is, I, I just remember a word saying, Rick, I just want you to, to speak on my behalf. That's all I heard him say. And it was an unbelievable experience that I've had, but I've never had it since. I've been following, following God for more than, more than 20 years and only heard it one time. But I trust that when I get into a quiet space, whether it's Bible study or in a church, and I ask God for wisdom, and I ask God for a word, or I open the Bible, I believe that when I get that, that overwhelming sense in my heart, I know that it's God speaking to me. And that's a completely inexact science, and that requires faith. But really, our whole relationship with God requires faith. We don't see God. We don't get to touch God. We just believe that he's there. And it's based on trusting on something that we can't legitimize. And that's how the Holy Spirit speaks. We believe he inspires us. We believe he empowers us. We're going to get into this in a couple of weeks. In Acts 1.8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. We believe that the Holy Spirit is regenerating. He's not just empowering, he's also regenerating. It's a, it's a, um, a biblical or a, a theological term, but it's the concept of being born again. Regeneration is to be born again. And it's a confusing concept because it's a Holy Spirit act. It's not something we can, we can never make ourselves born again. But we, when we accept Christ, when we align ourselves with him, when we put our faith in him, we believe the Holy Spirit does a miracle right then and there. When we say, I believe Jesus is God's son, we believe there's, there's regeneration, a second birth, a spiritual birth, and the Holy Spirit is the one that comes and does that with us. Finally, we see the Holy Spirit is also involved in sanctifying us. This is the continuing everyday wor- work of being born again. Regeneration happens when we say we believe. Sanctification happens every other day when we're continually being reborn by the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's a lot of theology. Our Sunday mornings are not typically teaching times. They're more grow times as a church. And, um, and we, we, have, uh, we have this, or our Sunday mornings are typically connect times where we're connecting with Christ and connecting with his family. And then Wednesday nights or our small group times, that's when we grow. That's when we really get into the, the deeper stuff and playing with this. But we felt so strongly that when we get to this, this series that we've been praying about, uh, we wanted to do a little bit of teaching. But we don't want anybody to walk away without going, what does this mean for me in terms of how I connect with God? 
And we believe that the Holy Spirit is real. We believe that the Holy Spirit is God. But we also believe this. Involving him in our lives is a choice that is left up to us. The Holy Spirit doesn't come on and force himself on you and you just go, wow, the Holy Spirit really took control of me and, and now I've really experienced it. No, no. Just the same way that you have control whether to say yes to Jesus, yes to God, you have the same way to say yes or no to the Holy Spirit. And there are millions of people in churches today who believe that Jesus is God's son. They have experienced his voice and his calling and the spirit coming. But either because you didn't know or because you didn't want or because you've just never gone further, you've never experienced this ongoing everyday presence of who the Holy Spirit is. And as Heather and Damien are just going to lead us in this this really song that uh, is this simple song just about Holy Spirit, you're welcome here in our lives. You're welcome in this place. We believe as a church, the Holy Spirit is the most relational part of God that we can experience here today. Jesus came 2,000 years ago so that people could experience God on earth. God had always been separate in heaven. Now he was down on earth in Jesus. But then Jesus left. And he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who's just as eternal, who's just as all over the place. He's ever-present. And so that everybody could experience me close, right beside them, right inside them. And it's the greatest gift that you or I could ever receive. And some of us today are just reluctant to take hold of that. He remains this third wheel, third child, awkward part of God that we don't, we don't want to engage with. I don't know what your relationship was like with your parents. But I, I, I had a dad. My dad loves me. I know he loves me. Unbounds, unmeasurably. But I had one of those dads, I got a handshake on my wedding day. I got a, I got a, a well done at graduation. Never got an I love you and never got, never got a hug. I knew my dad loved me. He knew he loved me. Why did we have to get all emotional about it, right? <laughs> yeah, some of you track with me. <laughs> And I remember the night in my 30s when my dad hugged me and I told him I loved him. And I just remember, wow, that was different. <laughs> I was different. We, we hadn't done it before. It didn't mean that he didn't love me. It just meant that I hadn't done it before. I hadn't experienced that. And when we open ourselves to new dimensions of relationship, there's a difference that you can just never imagine. And you can't explain it. I can't, if you're not a touchy-feely person, I can't explain to you what is, what other people experience when they hug, when they touch, when they come close. You just have to do it. <laughs> and we believe that the Holy Spirit is that relational. It's a hug. It's, it's, a, it's an infilling from God. I want you to do a little self-diagnosis this morning. Three words on screen. Stuart, can we put these, these, these three words on screen? Here's the words we wanted you to consider as we close the service this morning. The first one is this. Some of you were unaware of the Holy Spirit. How close he wanted to be to you. How much the Holy Spirit is God, is a person. You were just completely unaware that you could have um, this kind of relationship with God. 
Second word is this. Some of you may have been aware, but you were resistant. You say, I, I'm just not so sure <laughs> that I'm into the Holy Spirit because I've had some negative experiences. I've had, I've had some, some bad stuff happen. Maybe you would categorize yourself more as open. You say, no, I'm open to this. But I, I could go deeper this morning. So whether this is brand new information to you, you're unaware, whether this is part of your journey and you're just saying, you know, I've been resistant, Lord. I just need to say, I'm, I don't want to be resistant anymore. Or whether you're open, I'm going to challenge you just to take a moment and reflect and say, God, over the next month, I'm not going to miss church. I'm going to mark off November 22nd on my calendar to be a part of that because I'm not going to let bad experiences un, or a lack of knowledge prevent me from having the most fulfilling relationship with the Spirit that I could ever have. What I've had up until now is great, but I believe that there's, that there's something more. So this morning, consider those three words, unaware, resistant, and open. And just as Heather and Damien lead us, would you be willing just to categorize yourself in there and say, God, I'm ready for one step more?